PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. Physical therapists diagnose and treat people of all ages with all types of health conditions to help keep them moving and functioning in daily life. Welcome to this PTJ podcast. PTJ is the official publication of the American Physical Therapy Association. PTJ disseminates basic and applied science related to physical therapy, contributes evidence to guide clinical decision-making, and publishes scholarly perspectives from around the world. And now, your host, Donovan Stutel. Welcome to PTJ's The Bottom Line for November 2009. I'm Donovan Stutel, along with Dave Corvoisier. Bottom lines translate the findings of selected research articles for clinical practice. Bottom lines are not intended to substitute for a critical reading of the original articles. The bottom lines for the November 2009 issue of PTJ were written by Dr. Eric K. Robertson, assistant professor in the Department of Physical Therapy at Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas. Our first bottom line summarizes, an intensive progressive exercise program reduces disability and improves functional performance in patients after single-level lumbar microdiscectomy by Dr. Cornelia Kulig and 17 co-authors for the Physical Therapy Clinical Research Network. First, what problems did the researchers set out to study, and why? Low back pain is a common musculoskeletal problem, and individuals who have low back pain with sciatica often undergo lumbar microdiscectomy. Rehabilitation following microdiscectomy may improve outcomes, but the ideal program of rehabilitation is unknown the researchers set out to examine the effectiveness of a new intervention protocol to improve functional performance following lumbar microdiscectomy. Who participated in this study? This study included 98 subjects who exhibited low back pain with signs of disc herniation and nerve root compression as demonstrated through radiological imaging and physical examination. The participants had a single-level lumbar microdiscectomy and a four- to six-week postoperative period without adverse events. What new information does this study offer? A progressive exercise program combined with education resulted in greater reduction of disability compared with education only or usual physical therapy. What new information does this study offer for patients? Patients are often presented with varying options following surgery for low back pain. This trial provides information that a specific intervention protocol is effective in reducing disability and improving functional ability. Patients can use this information along with consultation from healthcare professionals to choose the best course of care following surgery for low back pain. How did the researchers go about the study? The researchers developed a novel, progressive, 12-week exercise program that was periodized and rigorously applied. Subjects began the program four to six weeks after the surgery with a one-hour educational session with a physical therapist. The program was administered three times per week and included back extensor strengthening, endurance exercise, and mat activities. Outcome measures included the Oswestry Disability Index and several functional tests and were measured before and after intervention. How might these results be applied to physical therapist practice? The results of this trial can help physical therapists apply a standardized intervention protocol to patients following single-level lumbar microdiscectomy. 
Patients who receive this protocol may experience improved functional ability and reduced disability compared with usual physical therapy interventions. What are the limitations of the study and what further research is needed? The limitations of this study included lack of group adherence, disproportionate therapist contact time between groups, as well as multiple univariate analyses which may increase the risk for a type 1 error. Future research should examine the cost-effectiveness of rehabilitation following lumbar microdiscectomy, as well as the effectiveness of rehabilitation programs following other surgical procedures for patients with low back pain. Our next bottom line summarizes Physical Therapists' Management of Patients in the Acute Care Setting, an Observational Study, by Dr. Diane Jetty, Dr. Rebecca Brown, Dr. Nicole Collette, Dr. Wendy Friant, and Dr. Lloyd Graves. What problems do the researchers set out to study, and why? Physical therapists serve a wide-ranging and integral role in the management of patients in acute care settings, yet little information exists that adequately describes the role of physical therapists in these settings. The purposes of this study were to describe the practice of physical therapists in three acute care settings, and to describe the practice variations across the participating facilities. Variations in practice may have an impact on factors such as cost, effectiveness, and health policy. Who participated in this study? 50 clinicians, 45 physical therapists, 4 physical therapist assistants, and one with an unknown healthcare profession practicing in academic medical centers in the northeastern United States participated in the study. The study population was 84% female, and the clinicians had an average of five years of acute care experience. What new information does this study offer? This study is the first to describe physical therapists' management of patients in acute care settings. More than 75% of all patients in each facility received examinations, goals, and interventions related to functional ability. Number of visits duration of visits and visits per patient varied across facilities. No clear pattern was evident that patients received certain types of examinations, goals, and interventions according to their various medical diagnoses. What new information does this study offer for patients? This article provides a simple description of physical therapist management of patients in acute care settings. Physical therapists focus primarily on the functional abilities of patients in this setting. This information has implications for healthcare reform and the effectiveness of patient care provided by physical therapists in the acute care setting. How did the researchers go about this study? The participants completed a data collection form for each patient visit during a two-week time period chosen by the facility. Rehabilitation managers provided information about the facility. Data were then categorized to allow analysis including categorization by body system and function. How might the results be applied to physical therapist practice? The information included in this study will be important for health policymakers, clinicians, and managers in the acute care setting as they look to optimize their practice. Opportunities exist to reduce practice variance. In addition, educators may want to alter curricula to focus on strategies to manage the functional abilities of patients. What are the limitations of the study, and what further research is needed? The primary limitations are the use of an untested examination tool and the inclusion of age and diagnosis as the only parameters to explain variability across patients in the data analysis. 
including only facilities from one geographic region, also may reduce the observed variation in practice. Furthermore, all patients treated during the two-week period were not reflected in the data. Future research should focus on explaining practice variants across wider geographic regions, determining decision-making between patient management strategies and patient outcomes, and the development of acute care-specific functional outcome measures. Our next bottom line summarizes comparison of gluteus medius muscle electromyographic activity during forward and lateral step-up exercises in older adults by Dr. Vicki Stimmons-Mercer, Dr. Michael Gross, Subhashini Sharma, and Aaron Weeks. What problems did the researchers set out to study and why? Weakness of the hip abductor muscles in older adults is an important contributor to balance difficulties. Step-up exercises are often prescribed to strengthen the hip abductor muscles, but little is known about whether forward or lateral step-ups are more effective in activating the gluteus medius muscle. The researchers set out to determine which exercise may be most effective in strengthening the hip abductors. Who participated in this study? 28 community-dwelling adults over the age of 65 and who were free from lower extremity or back problems participated. What new information does this study offer? The researchers determined that although both forms of step-up exercises are effective in activating the gluteus medius muscle, lateral step-ups provided a greater activation of that muscle compared with forward step-ups. What new information does this study offer for patients? This study provides information about ways to activate the gluteus medius muscle in older adults. This muscle stabilizes the pelvis in the frontal plane when body weight is supported on one leg. The results of this study suggest that performing a lateral step-up can activate this muscle to a greater degree when compared with a forward step-up. Using this information, therapists and patients can work together to design an effective strengthening program. How did the researchers go about the study? The researchers used electromyographic data to measure gluteus medius muscle activation. The subjects performed a set of forward and lateral step-ups. Force plates were used to determine ascent and descent phases. Data were recorded bilaterally for each phase of each exercise. How might these results be applied to physical therapist practice? The results suggest that physical therapists interested in strengthening the hip abductors in older adults would be well served by prescribing lateral step-up exercises and that forward step-up exercises also can be an effective means of strengthening the gluteus medius muscle. What are the limitations of the study, and what further research is needed? The study included only healthy subjects, without weakness or dysfunction, which limits the ability to generalize the results to those with lower extremity problems. The researchers did not perform repeat testing of the normalization contraction for the electromyographic analysis, therefore the test-retest reliability for this analysis is unknown. Future research is needed to examine the clinical effectiveness of lateral versus forward step-ups for patients with weakness of the gluteus medius. Our last bottom line summarizes, the patient goal priority questionnaire is moderately reproducible in people with persistent musculoskeletal pain by Dr. Parnila Asenlof and Kim Sielbeck. What problems do the researchers set out to study, and why? 
The objective of this study was to examine the chance-corrected agreement and test-retest reliability of the Patient Goal Priority Questionnaire. The Patient Goal Priority Questionnaire is a patient-specific questionnaire used to identify behavioral goals and clinically significant changes as part of physical therapist treatment. Because the use of this type of tool requires that the identified goals be stable over time, this kind of information can help users determine the value of the tool. In addition, the researchers evaluated the patient goal priority list, which incorporates physical therapist input during the goal identification process. The patient goal priority questionnaire is intended primarily for research and evaluation, whereas the patient goal priority list is intended for use by physical therapists in the clinic to help develop behavioral goals and determine a behavioral starting point for current intervention. The Patient Goal Priority List and the Patient Goal Priority Questionnaire are similar in that they list and rank important activities that the patient wants to affect with physical therapy. The Patient Goal Priority List, however, does not limit the number of activities that can be listed, and the patient's goals and priority ranking are guided by the physical therapist. The researchers therefore sought to estimate agreement between the Patient Goal Priority Questionnaire's Patient Self-Report Priority List and the Patient Goal Priority List's priority list. Who participated in this study? 54 adults who had previously consulted with a physical therapist for subacute or chronic musculoskeletal pain and who did not have inflammatory neurologic or oncologic diagnoses were recruited from six physical therapy clinics in Sweden. What new information does this study offer? The study provides information about the chance-corrected agreement and test-retest reliability for the Patient Goal Priority Questionnaire. Chance-corrected agreement was lower when physical therapists were involved in the goal identification process, as measured by the Patient Goal Priority List. What new information does this study offer for patients? This study provides information about two patient-specific measures that assist patients with identifying behavioral goals and measuring clinically significant changes during rehabilitation. These tools were shown to have moderate stability, which was higher when the patient was the only person involved in developing rehabilitation goals. Physical therapists may choose to incorporate these patient-specific measures in the course of clinical care. How did the researchers go about this study? The Patient Goal Priority Questionnaire was administered three weeks and one week before the first physical therapy session and the patient goal priority list was administered during the initial physical therapy session. Data analysis was performed to determine the chance-corrected agreement and test-retest reliability. How might the results be applied to physical therapist practice? The moderate chance-corrected agreement and test-retest reliability suggest that these measures are feasible to use in both research and clinical settings, although further research is warranted. The researchers calculated the smallest change that a clinician could detect and have 95% confidence that the observed change is real and not caused by measurement error when the patient goal priority questionnaire is applied at three weeks and one week before the initial physical therapy session. This information can help clinicians determine whether their own patient's pretreatment to post-treatment change represents a reliable improvement. What are the limitations of the study and what further research is needed? This study was limited by a relatively small sample size and the fact that not all participants completed all measurements. 
The inclusion of physical therapists in the goal identification process may introduce bias, such as the patient's desire to please the physical therapist or to be consistent with socially desirable goals. In this study, when using the patient goal priority questionnaire, the patients prioritized occupational and educational goals. However, with the patient goal priority list, functional abilities were the priority. The feasibility of using traditional approaches of psychometric analysis on patient-specific measures is still in question. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net. We always appreciate your feedback. You can email ptj at scienceaudio.net or leave a voicemail at 626-593-7825.